Welcome to the Political Pharmacist Podcast, the first podcast to focus on the political side of pharmacy. Here's your host, Eric Geyer. Welcome, Political Pharmacist Podcast listeners. I'm your host, Eric Geyer, and with me today I have Chris Schiller. He is the president-elect of Oklahoma Pharmacist Association and the CEO of Economy Pharmacy in Oklahoma. He also graduated from the University of Oklahoma, so go Sooners, and he's a born and bred Oklahoma legend, it sounds like, in pharmacy with some stuff going on. So welcome to the podcast, Chris Schiller. Uh, thanks, Eric. I really appreciate you having me. Hey, so I wanted you on because um, you've really been talking a lot about what's going on in Oklahoma, who just had some major legislation passed to really rein in the PBMs in your state. Can you kind of give a little bit of information on what this is and kind of what happened with this bill? Yeah, yeah. So in the, the 2019 session, we, we passed, um, it's called the Patients' Rights of Pharmacy Choice Act, um, House Bill 2632, which is a PBM regulation bill. Um, and we passed it in, the, in, it was a House bill that passed both the House, the Senate, and the governor ended up signing it. And uh, to date, it's one of the most aggressive PBM regulation bills that I believe that's out there. Okay. And so what were you guys, what's like the whole point of this with the PBMs? Is it random mail order, random reimbursements? Kind of like what's the, what's the focus behind it? Excellent. So actually this, it covers a, a lot of different um, aspects, a lot of different, you know, the ways that PBMs kind of uh, take advantage of uh, local pharmacies. That includes, you know, independent and chain pharmacies. And it's, it really, it, it prevents mandatory mail order. It prevents uh, discounts on co-payments at certain pharmacies over others. It eliminates, let's just say, if you had an insurance card that had one pharmacy's uh, name on it and not every pharmacy that's in that network, it eliminates that and any type of advertisement for one specific pharmacy. It also allows pharmacies not to be excluded from networks. So if, if you know, if we want to be if that pharmacy and that local pharmacy wants to be in that specific network, they're willing to accept that reimbursement and they can be in that network. So then basically boils down to giving the patients the choice to go to whatever pharmacy they want and not be penalized for it. Yeah. And it sounds like the pharmacies aren't really penalized for it either. Correct. Yeah, that's correct. And so, I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, if, if my grandmother chose a, a med D plan, depending on the med D plan, she may not be able to fill her prescriptions at my store, right. you know, or I have an employee that's on their patient, that's on their parents' insurance still, um, depending on what plan that is, they might not be able to fill their medications at my store, even though that's who they trust, who they want to go to, who services them the best, they may not have that option. Um, now with this law, they, they will have that option. What kind of pushback did you guys receive when this went into the like the legislature and when it was introduced? Did you get like a lot of lobbyists showing up from PCMA? Kind of what were you guys up against to get this through uh, the legislation? So, so great questions. At first, we weren't up against a whole lot because I, I think that uh, PCMA, which is the association that represents PBMs, wasn't thinking that the law was going to go anywhere um, because it was such a, an aggressive bill and we, we did a couple different things and so i'm assuming that hopefully some other state association you know members will, will listen to this so we actually did two different bills at one time that were very similar one we started in the senate and then one we started in the house i'm not going to say we did it 
to make them focus all on one while the other one went through, but it kind of turned out that way. Interesting. Um, I'd love to say that I was this legislative genius and, <laughs> and somehow, you know, I planned that, but we started one in the Senate, one in the House. Both of them went through almost unanimously, okay? And it's because, and so the Senate bill had one no vote in a committee, which was the committee chair in the House committee that it went to second, which was the committee chair, and his whole committee voted against him. Oh, which wow. was a fairly powerful thing, okay? That's a very powerful thing to happen at a, at a committee meeting. And then that one went through, but the, our governor vetoed it. Hmm. Why did he veto it? And it's because of the pushback. And I'll go back. I'm sorry. I'm kind of, I kind of went off on, on, on a tangent there, but I'll go back to the pushback. It was because of all the pushback all of a sudden. So those, that one went through, and then all of a sudden we had lobbyists after lobbyists from PCMA and from the certain companies the PBMs do a great job of joining the um, the state chamber of commerce in states. And to me, uh, being a small town guy, I think the chamber of commerce represents small business, small yeah. local business, but not the state chamber. The state chamber of commerce represents a lot of big out of state business and then more big businesses in the state. And PBMs have done a great job of being high ticket sponsors or members of those of those chambers to where you know if you're a fifteen thousand dollar member versus the Oklahoma Pharmacists Association which is a two thousand dollar member you're going to listen to your fifteen thousand dollar member a lot more so we were up against our own state chamber we have a lot of pull at the capitol and PBMs have also done a great job of convincing big business owners like we have a few in, in Oklahoma like Quick Trip and, and Hobby Lobby and Chesapeake uh, they've done a great job of convincing, um, and I'm not saying any of those companies work directly against this, but I'm just using right. examples of letting them believe or PR-wise of saying, hey, we save you guys this much money. If this law passes, your price to insure your employees is going to go up by this much. They do a great, PBMs do a great job of explaining or of selling that to company owners. So those are also big members of the chamber. And then also like Blue Cross Blue Shield, which is, you know, in every state just about, you know, didn't want this to go through because they have, you know, part owner and a PBM also. So we had to we had to go against some pretty big name um, companies, pretty big, powerful, lots of money companies to get this to go through. The, the reason we were so successful is because we have, I think, 430 independent pharmacies across Oklahoma. Wow. And... Literally every, which is still out, which is still more than all the chains and grocery stores put together. We still have more independents in Oklahoma than, than chains and supermarkets. Um, they really stepped up during this time. They got involved with their local legislators. Um, they got involved with their local reps, their local senators, sent letters to um, their chain. What we did to, bow, to battle our state chamber is we went to all of our local chambers, got them to send a letter to the governor and to the state chamber on our behalf for this law. And then we, we basically, you know, made, made a bunch of visuals. We had a bunch of visuals to give out at the Capitol of, you know, the state of Oklahoma. And then we would put the chamber's logo all over the state. So wherever, it, you know, if it was in more Oklahoma, that chamber would go there. If it was in, you know, Elk City, that chamber would go where that would be. And we just filled that map up. And we had such a grassroots effort from all the pharmacists across the state that really the legislature 
almost didn't have a choice not to <laughs> let the bill go through and and to vote, you know, to vote against it. And so the the bill that actually passed. Um, the House bill that passed and was signed by the governor passed unanimously through. I mean, there's a lot of work. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. And a lot of. I don't know if you. I don't know if you've ever spent time at the Capitol following a bill, especially <laughs> one that you're working on. But it's an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. You go in thinking, okay, and we had a great lobbyist. I, I didn't bring. Um, uh, we had a great lobbying team, and and he's still our, our lobbyist. This was his first year being our lobbyist, actually. Oh wow! And um, his team uh, did fantastic, kept us in the loop, got us the right authors for our bills. You go to the Capitol expecting one thing, so you expect, hey, they're going to hear our bill this morning on the floor at eleven o'clock, and then you get there, and by ten they're like, oh, bill's dead. They're not going to do it now. It's completely dead. They're going to do this. <laughs> okay, so then we go start working a little bit, and then back. Okay, so it's one o'clock. Okay, Bill's going to be back on at three, and then nope, leadership's not going to let me here. I mean, it's just a roller coaster of a time at the Capitol. Anyway, we turned out good. It went good. We a lot of hard work, a lot of days, a lot of pharmacists from across the state up at the Capitol to visit their legislators there. Um, a lot of meetings um, with leadership, with the governor's office, um, a lot of different things we had to go through to get it passed. Yeah, it sounds like it's one heck of a ride to get that. And I mean, I'm glad it worked out. I'm glad it was almost unanimous. And the interesting thing is that kind of to some degree, both you and the PBMs or PCMA kind of went through the business route of lobbying. Like you reached out to your local chambers of commerce, you got your local businesses involved, and they did the same thing with the more the larger state associations. I, I find that pretty interesting that it kind of just shows, you know, what they're willing to throw at money wise to make sure that things kind of stay the way that is most profitable for them but at the same point it's also interesting that the way that they aim versus the way that like the grassroots initiatives aims are just completely different with this sort of thing was there any estimated cost savings with your state we've seen some states with several hundred million dollar price tags on some of these pbm overcharges okay so excellent question so in oklahoma we do not have managed care for our medicaid population so that's where a lot of those state savings things come in at and so we actually, so our, it's not, it's not called the CBO. I don't know what it's called, but the local state level where they estimate the budget um, how much this will cost the state. Or so, yeah. So it was kind of a unique thing because our state uses, uh, uses a certain insurance and PBM together. And that insurance PBM helped them write that number of how much they think that this is going to cost the state. So we actually got a bill passed unanimously that was supposedly going to cost the state $260 million. Huh. And we still got it passed and still got it signed because we did such a good job convincing our legislators and our governor that, that those are not real numbers, those are not true numbers, and those are actually have been provided by that PBM that doesn't want this to pass. <laughs> that's interesting they use they and, use and, their people to make the numbers and you spun it against them of hey they wrote yeah. this number <laughs> and, yeah and and the individual that worked for our state insurance plan after our after that year that session that person that worked for the state plan that was in charge of the the pharmacy part of it actually went to work for that pbm <laughs> nothing like a little tip for yeah. tat right there right that's a little sh- that's a little shady, yeah, that's a little <laughs> shady. But uh, um, anyway, so that's that's just a little interesting fact there. So we were up against that, and we still got it passed. So that was that was hard to do. So we don't have any dollar numbers of dollars saved because 
we don't use a, a PBM for our Medicaid in Oklahoma, so there wasn't you know that spread to show or those rebates to show, and there was no way for us to get that information for like our state employees or anything like that. So, gotcha. Okay, uh, Oklahoma is a little different than my state here of Ohio, um, other than they both lean, yes. lean oh, red yes. at times. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah, and and the, the you know the. The Ohio situation, which you know better than I do, is, is is a nightmare, right? I mean, it's a nightmare. You, I think the governor sued the the PBM here recently. So yeah, yeah, we're seeing the attorney general go after them. Correct. So it's a it's yeah. it's, it's a little oh, more okay. complex than that. But yeah, it's this it's very corrupt with a lot of hundreds of millions of dollars floating back and forth here and in Ohio. So yeah, it's a little different setup than you guys yeah. have. But yeah. but the thing is, is it's still the same problem. The root of it is it's you have these middle men in the insurance game which you had mentioned leading up to the podcast that you were very clear that when you designed this bill, you guys went after the pharmacy benefits managers, the PBMs, not the insurance because of yeah. ERISA. Can you elaborate on how you kind yeah. of did that? Sure. So the, the PBMs and insurance companies have done a great job of using ERISA, um, which is the federal regulations of insurance companies. So if you're, if you're insurance, um, if you own a big company that, that crosses state lines, um, you're not really regulated by the states, um, we're regulated by federal rules. And so what we did, and this is why one of our bills got vetoed, that one got vetoed, which was fine because that one actually went after the whole insurance company more. Um, the language was a little, not as good as, as the house bill that actually got all the way through. Um, in our house bill, we specified the pharmacy benefit manager, not insurance. We're not trying to regulate the insurance company. We're trying to regulate the, the, the PBM, which it, I, it hasn't been determined in court yet, but um, as of right now, does not seem to be included in the ERISA um, preemption or preempted by ERISA. And so we were very specific on that. Uh, you know, about half the plans in our state are ERISA plans or multi-state plans that would be covered under that. So that's a big chunk of, of, of patients' lives that would, you know, contracts we still wouldn't be able to take care of those patients. Gotcha. So you really had to kind of narrow this in a little bit because the PBM, even though their information might be on the quote insurance card, is not insurance. They're a different entity, which I think they're is a key a vendor. Thing to point Yeah, out. they're more than anything, they're a vendor to the insurance company. Right. And so you're, you know, in the law thinking is every vendor that the insurance company contracts with would be under ERISA, you know, preemption also. So um, we're, we're hoping that we took the right angle. And we saw, you know, all the states that have passed PBM regulation just to be sued and to lose. Yeah. And so we were trying our hardest to, to come up with whatever we could to eliminate what it passes that we could, you know, enforce this law. And recently, this just went up to a higher level in the courts that ruled in your favor. Can you elaborate on exactly what that was? I don't want to misspeak on it. So this is how it kind of started. So we passed this law, and then, you know, the Rutledge case at the Supreme Court, the Arkansas PBM regulation case that's going to the Supreme Court was supposed to happen in April. Right. Well, so we passed this law. It was supposed to become an effect of November 1st of 2019. Well, because of the Arkansas case, our state decided not to enforce this new law and to keep it at a stay until the Supreme Court case was ruled on. Because, you know, what are you going to enforce all this stuff if for some reason? And our, our bill is a lot, our new law is a lot different than Arkansas, but still the same kind of thing. So everyone was fine with that. We weren't very happy, but, you know, what it is, what it is. Well, 
then we received a horrible contract, not a negotiation at all, and opt, you're automatically in unless you opt out contract from a, a big insurance company. And our district or our attorney general got wind of this, and, and he felt like, you know, at a stay, everybody, both parties are supposed to remain the same, you know, status quo. He felt like that the PBMs had violated that by trying to send out, basically bullying us with this contract. And he listed the state. PCMA had had 21 days to file for an injunction. They did on the 21st day at 4.30 in the afternoon. Of course. Filed for the injunction. So then they had, I think, 10 days. And I'm not a lawyer. I'm, not, I'm just I'm throwing at what I remember. 10 days for the court to make a ruling on the emergency injunction which was pretty cool. I actually got to go up to the courthouse. Even during COVID, the courthouse was open. The arguments were done through Zoom or through online, but they, we were able to actually attend the courtroom, but the arguments were from people in other you know, other cities and states. Judge heard that. Um, that was in the, the Western District Court of Oklahoma. Judge heard that um, the next week, gave a ruling, rejected the emergency injunction, so therefore ruled in our favor in the state's favor, none of the PBM's actions, in his opinion, are preempted by ERISA and even ruled, and we weren't even counting on trying to get any MedD regulation because obviously that's federal. Yeah. Even ruled that besides two things, which is access standards, which we copied MedD specifically in our bill, and the advertisement part, so that, you know, MedD companies, depending on your star ranking, you can advertise and all that stuff. Besides those, our law applies to those also. Now, do I see us winning that in the long run? Probably not. Because we weren't even looking to, to affect MedD huh. um, because we knew it was such federal. But anyway, so that's how that judge ruled. And so immediately our, our law was enforceable. So we're working with our insurance commissioner to enforce, you know, to enforce our law. We've been, pharmacies have been sending in complaints of violations ever since November 1st. There's and probably a lot of so those. <laughs> our, there, there is, and our, and our insurance commissioner is still, was still a little wishy-washy on the enforcing law because the, the case hasn't been settled. So we're going to put all these rules in place and then, you know, then have to reverse them. But now he's, he's formed the, in our law was a PBM advisory committee at the insurance office at the insurance department and he's formed that and we you know um the farmers association gets one or two people the district attorney gets one or two people pcma gets one or two people anyway it's a, it's a fair group they've met a couple times now the insurance commissioner has hired a pbm specialist because as you can imagine they've never had to enforce anything with pbms before they needed someone that had some knowledge um so that is coming around and starting to be enforced well in the meantime PCMA appealed to the 10th Circuit, um, the U.S. 10th Circuit Court uh, for an emergency injunction. And just, I believe it was two days ago, that was rejected and denied. And, and they ruled in our favor as far as the state's favor. So that's a huge deal because I don't, to my knowledge, I don't think the 10th Circuit has heard a PBM case before. And, and so just to get that, that non, you know, that emergency injunction denied, I think is huge. So our law is in, in full force right now, just starting to get enforced. So I've seen letters from our insurance department to a couple different PBMs saying, you're in violation of this law. You have to respond in writing within so many days. So it's something that, like right now, 
still my employee that works for me that's on their parents' insurance can't fill a script at my store because the, the enforcement's so new. But I expect in the next couple months uh, or even less than a month for that to change because now they know they're in real violation of our law. Yeah, that's interesting too, especially said about the employee thing. Um, I just think last night I had a, this is a little bit different, but still kind of related. I had someone bring a prescription for Zeljans that I think it's like five or six thousand bucks a month or whatever it was for that medication, and the uh, the insurance came back and said, "Nope, must go here or get mail order." And I'm like, "Yeah, that sounds like a great option now with all the issues with the current postal service being delayed. Let's send a medication through there." Um, so I thought that yeah. it was and, a prime example of your law where I could have helped this patient because I had it on my shelf and. You know, granted, there's a business side to that. I could have made some money off it, but I could have actually helped the person right there. And I just had to look at them and be like, sorry, I can't help you, even though the answer is right behind me on the shelf. Go ship this off somewhere else and try to give them that, give them that information. Yeah, yeah, and that's limiting patient care. That, you, you know, that pharmacist in New Jersey or wherever it's being shipped from doesn't know more about that drug than, than that local pharmacist that that patient trusts. It's standing right in front of them, and you're going to ship it through the mail that can be left out hot, can be delayed. I mean, it's just it's a no-brainer. So we specifically included all medications, including specialty, in our law. I mean, by and and so they couldn't create you know a, a class of medicine that the law wouldn't apply to. So we specifically did that um, also. Yeah, I even saw one insurance company for some reason said Lantus was a specialty drug and had to go somewhere else to. I don't know if it was one of their pharmacies or something. I'm like, it's insulin. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a good call out. And I like that you really carved out specialty with that. You guys obviously have had a lot of success with this. And I think if this gets appealed past the 10th district, it would have to go, if I'm correct, again, I'm not a lawyer either, to the Supreme Court or something like that. So there's no way they're going to rule on that before PCMA versus Rutledge versus PCMA, correct? Yeah, so what uh, my understanding is that now PCMA will have to go back to the Western Court in Oklahoma and actually file a briefing for the actual law, so for the actual case, oh, not okay. an injunction. Gotcha. So for the actual case, once, you know, let's say that the once that that case actually plays out in the Western Court of Oklahoma and let's say that the state wins, then PCMA will appeal to the Tenth Circuit for the, the whole case not the injunction. The Tenth Circuit, if, if it does, yeah, so not the injunction, but the actual law. And then if if the Tenth Circuit rules in the state's favor, so our favor, then they could appeal to the Supreme Court. But it is very, 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 I'm being told, unlikely the Supreme Court will, in the next, I don't know how many years, will hear another case so specifically close to what the Rutledge case, no matter how they rule. Yeah. Now, um, you know, that could affect... Let's say that the, the, the SCOTUS rules in the favor of PCMA, well, that could affect the ruling of our law in, uh, in you know, the district court and in the Tenth Circuit. Uh, but our law has so much difference. You know, the, the, the Rutledge case, from my understanding, is more to do with MAC um, than anything. Um, but, I mean, our law has so many more things that we still may be able to apply our law um, or a good portion of it, even no matter how SCOTUS rules on the Rutledge case. Yeah, this isn't, um, not to bring in a totally tangential thing, but with the Texas-Louisiana abortion cases that went through are so similar, and they basically said these are identical and threw them out. Uh, the, the second case, that is, to f- go back to the first one, this is a case where your law is significantly different enough that even if that one got shut down, yours could still be brought up in a close enough time period should they choose to hear it in this case. Yes. Okay. 
Okay, just want to make sure that we understand some of the differences here. I, and, I, and again, I am not I'm not a lawyer. I don't know. I, I could just I could be completely wrong with what I'm thinking is going to happen. But just from my involvement and us dealing with, uh, you know, the, the lawyers and stuff. So Oklahoma pharmacists, again, really stepped up because the state of Oklahoma does not have a lot of money, especially right now. Yeah. They, they could not afford to hire, you know, uh, the, the law offices that, that is, has fought these battles before. So Oklahoma pharmacists, we started a legal defense fund, which anybody out there can contribute to, by the way. Um, Oklahoma Shout Pharmacists out. Association Legal Defense Fund. Yeah, Shout yeah. out for them. Um, and we raised, we raised, and I'm not going to say it on here, but we raised a really good chunk of money within a couple of weeks that has enabled us to hire or to assist the state in defending our law. Let's put it that way. Okay. Yeah, I think that's key. You got, yeah. It sounds like Oklahoma, you guys have a one of the stronger independent pharmacy uh, operations out there and the networks of them that is able to help kind of push these things, which I think is key because as we know, some of these PBMs also own pharmacies and that's how they gain so much leverage and are able to play some of these reimbursement fiasco games with uh, some of their competition and steering patients. I really like that you guys included the uh, pharmacy name on the card because we all know that there's one giant out there that has three letters in their name that loves to put their name on everything and send letters out that make it sound like you have to go to them. That's right. Patients think they have to go there, and, and, and they don't. And so, yeah, that's. I thought we thought that was really important. Uh, we have two. Just so you know, we have two, and you give a little more credit. To, we have two pharmacist legislators in in Oklahoma. Oh, really? We have one in the House and one in the Senate, and and they really helped us out a lot to educating veteran members on um, on our law and why it's so important. Because if you're Let's say that you're, you know, in Oklahoma, we've got a lot of ranchers and farmers that are representatives, but they have no clue what I'm talking about when I'm talking about a PBM or, or an oil guy. You know, we've got a lot of, of different uh, people at the Capitol. They have no clue. PBM is such a hard topic to educate people on. So having those, um, you know, uh, the pharmacist legislators in, up there really helped a lot. Yeah, my grandpa was a, a farmer and worked for GM. He kind of worked both of those for the majority of his life. And so I always think when I have to try and explain this, how would I explain that to him? And it's it's not yeah, a very easy yeah. conversation because him he still can't understand why the price of drugs are what they are and everything else and that's a whole nother discussion. But uh, so with that, who where are the legislators that are pharmacists and out there in Oklahoma? Just to give them their credit, and their due. Um, we have um, Senator Rob Standridge and um, Representative T.J. Marty. Okay. That's somebody that listeners can go to. And I think it also shows the importance of pharmacists who are willing to stand up and run for office because you can help make changes with things like this. Even if it's not right now, this election cycle, maybe it's in two years. It's a, it's a huge thing that you yeah, can get involved for with. For sure. There are, yeah. And there are a few running right now. I know, um, I think, is it Will Douglas in Texas? Yep. Um, yeah, and and then and running for state uh, state representative, I believe, and then um, you know we have Buddy Carter and actually the, in Congress. Um, but yeah, if if you can support a pharmacist running for office, that is that is ideal. If not, you need to get out and run yourself. Yeah, I, I'm in full support of that. Um, you even mentioned on a, another podcast I heard that you were considering running for office at some point in time. So. Uh, well, we'll not dive into that too much, but what are, you think you were looking at uh, House representatives is what you were you had kind of a loose eyeball on, right? I think that's what I would I would like at some point in in time. I don't know when that is, you know, in business and with, with raising kids and, and <laughs> stuff like that. But I, I do think that I, I, you're gonna get me on my soap on my soapbox. But I just I feel very underrepresented, and not just with pharmacy, just with with. Um, 
a lot of things in my district in Oklahoma, I feel very underrepresented. I feel like um, uh, my specific person has gone to Washington and has just become, you know, enamored with the Beltway and just not not representing the people of Oklahoma. And and it's it's very frustrating to me um, for for I feel like our district to be left behind. Yeah. I feel like that we are not. Um, I feel like I guess the polite thing is to say we're very underrepresented. And, and that's um, and, I, and I don't like that at all. And, and so that's something that's kind of sparked that. My wife thinks that's maybe a little crazy, um, but I, I think that it's something that I, I think I could do and I could make a difference. I make a real difference in our in our state, in our town, in our district. And and so that is something that um, I am wanting to consider in the future. Yeah, and I I don't think you're the only person or only pharmacist who thinks that way, whether it's a pharmacist or looking at patient care specifically. I think there's a lot of that that needs to be uh, picked up. Uh, if you could give advice to somebody who wanted to try and make a difference with some of this legislation, what would be like the one piece of advice you would tell them when they're talking to a state legislator about PBMs or some anything really regarding pharmacy? What would be that one piece of advice you'd give them? I get the piece of advice I would give them is uh, the, to back up a step is to talk to their legislator, create a relationship with the legislator, whether it's to do, I wouldn't, I wouldn't Hey, the very first time you meet that local legislator, I wouldn't bring up PBMs. I would, you know, support the campaign, talk about a, you know, an issue, develop that relationship. You know, a lot of, a lot of across Oklahoma, we have a lot of rural areas. A lot of those legislators use that local pharmacy. And so those are key relationships. If you have a legislator that uses your pharmacy, you develop that relationship. So then when you get their cell phone number, or you need to call them or go visit them. They're going to listen to you, not because of what you need from them, but because of that relationship. That is key. I, I can't tell you, you know, when I was a little bit younger, some old guy on the stage at a, you know, at a convention would say, hey, get into politics or get out of pharmacy. I'm like, well, whatever. I can, I can fill a whole bunch of prescriptions and we do fine. Well, that's not the case anymore. You know, we can fill ourselves out of business. And so really need all pharmacists, both independent and, and chain. Uh, you've seen what's happened to the chain pharmacists in the last, you know, two years. Yeah. And I don't see that getting any better. Um, all pharmacists need to have a relationship with their local their local representative, um, their local senator, get involved in their governor campaign, their, their U.S. congressman, their U.S. senator, you know, anyone that they can, they need to be involved and have a relationship because those relationships go a long way when you're trying to run a bill um, that really will not only help your profession, but will really help the, the citizens in, in your district. Yeah, I think you, I could not say that any better. And I, I'm a huge fan of everything you're advocating for there. Um, hey, thanks for coming on here. But before I let you go, there's two questions I ask everybody. So I want to get your take on these. If you could change one thing about pharmacy, what would it be? I would give us provider status because I, I don't feel like we are, are able to operate at the top of our license. Okay. And so uh, we'd be more service-based provider and not tied to a product specifically. So if you could change one law, specifically federal or state, what would it be and why? And if it's provider status, I'm, I'm okay with that too. <laughs> I would eliminate DIR fees. So the MedD law would, would be changed dramatically and eliminate DIR fees. You know, it's just an unfair, completely unpredictable business model that I do not know how much I'm getting paid for something and how much I'm going to have to pay back. And, and so uh, that that would be what I would change. Yeah. 
pharmacy is one of those funny games where it's almost like whose line is it anyway where the at this point it's like the payer is made up and the price doesn't matter but you know that's until that changes we're, we're gonna yeah. see some major uh pbm issues coming to to light here soon so hey chris i appreciate you coming on here and explaining what's going on in oklahoma i hope other states start replicating this and i hope this helps get your name out so if people have questions even if it's legislators or other pharmacists they can reach out to you guys in oklahoma as a as a shining light, hopefully, of how to make this some of these changes stick. Yeah, Eric, thank you so much. I had so much fun. I, I really appreciate you having me on. And yeah, anybody out there that that uh, can give us advice and or need some advice, just reach out to us at um, OPHA. Great. Uh, I'll make sure to include some of this stuff in the show notes, listeners. But as always, thanks for listening to the Political Pharmacist Podcast, your prescription for pharmacy and politics.